Hi friends, welcome back to the Creating Eden podcast. I am your host, Eden. And today's topic of conversation is the art of sitting in discomfort and navigating triggering conversations. So I want to start with the art of sitting in discomfort. I'm currently right now doing a program called Inner Mastery. It's run by Hannah of the Primal Priestess. She is amazing. Um, I had been kind of seeking someone who was, yeah, further on the path than me, who inspired me and who embodied a lot of the qualities and ways of being that I desired to have and to live with. And uh, when I came across her Instagram account, there was just like every single thing, (laughs) every single thing that she said activated me so deeply and just like set my soul on fire so I started um, very actively following her and uh, yeah I joined her email list and when I received the email about her um, 12-week group program inner mastery it was like instant full body fuck yes um, I'm doing it so I we are two modules in um, four weeks I think it's been about maybe (laughs) I don't know two modules in and um yeah we've we've been talking a lot about being present in the body and the energy field and allowing what is there to exist to be there becoming the radical witness um witnessing watching experiencing what is alive within us without trying to fix without trying to change without trying to shift it just allowing it to be there and for me what this has brought up i mean this these two modules already have started to bring a lot up and i will dive into different aspects of that in different podcast episodes but Um, What it's been bringing up for me is the ways in which I still try to fix myself. I still try to change myself uh, because it is uncomfortable to be where I'm at. And sitting in discomfort, you know, it's not always easy and it's it's uncomfortable, right? It doesn't necessarily feel good. Um, It feels uncomfortable. It feels challenging. It feels hard. Um, But what this program is showing me reminding me of because this is not something new for me but this is something that you know there's more layers being uncovered there's more things showing up and coming to the surface um, that are showing me where in my life I am still trying to escape discomfort Um, so anyways this is something that I do with my clients um, as well. We sit, we witness, we honor, we acknowledge what is present and alive, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's pleasurable, even if it's painful. Um, we sit and we witness it and we feel it. Yeah, because changing it, shifting it, running away from it is not necessarily going to help us, right? It's going to numb us or help us escape it, and we're not actually sitting with it and feeling it um the power of witnessing is so potent it is so incredible to just be the witness of our own experience to be the witness of our own emotions to be the witness of our own triggers and challenges um so one of the exercises that we did was just to breathe into our womb space and i did this a couple of days ago And as I was doing it, I had this whole inner dialogue (laughs) of, I can't feel anything. And like, I'm pregnant right now. (laughs) I have a lot going on in my womb space. Um, And I was like, I can't feel anything. I'm doing it wrong. I should just stop. Like, this is not working. And then I was like starting to shame myself for, you know, not being able to feel my baby, not being able to feel the growing that's happening in my womb in that moment. And uh, coming back to that radical witness, coming back to that, um, yeah, just being the witness, allowing it to exist. Okay, in this moment, I can't feel my womb space. In this moment, I can't feel my baby in my womb. In this moment, I'm finding it really fucking challenging to breathe into my womb space. And I'm judging myself. 
Can I allow that to just be? Can I be in that and just acknowledge it and let it be what it is? Instead of giving up, stopping because it's not working. Well, it is working. Because what I was actually witnessing was the disconnect, the numbness, right? As I'm, as I'm saying this, so funny. As I'm saying this, my baby is actually kicking me. Um, so in that moment, I was feeling the disconnect and the numbness. I was feeling nothing. But I was still doing the exercise. I was still breathing into my womb space and allowing my experience to be what it was. And that is so powerful. And it was uncomfortable, you know? Um, my, in my perfect world, you know, I would be this like womb goddess who could just sit and tap into each and every teeny tiny little corner of my womb and I could feel it all and feel it fully also, (laughs) that would probably bring up a lot of discomfort. Um, There's been a lot of discomfort in my womb space in this pregnancy so far. There's a lot of stretching. There's a lot of growing. Now there's a lot of kicking and punching and moving. Um, So it's uncomfortable to not feel and it's uncomfortable to feel and that goes for emotions as well for me with where i'm at in this present moment in my life i would much rather feel the discomfort of pain and grief and sadness and anger um, than i would to be numb i don't i i really have a hard time feeling numb and feeling nothing, feeling neutral. I'm like, give me the extremes. <laughs> give me all the highs. Give me the joy, the love, the laughter, the gratitude. And then give me all the fucking lows, the shame, the grief, the guilt, the heaviness. Um, if I'm in the middle of the spectrum, I struggle. I really struggle because that for me is uncomfortable. Whereas it used to, before I dove into all of this emotional healing and feeling and all of the juiciness that is my life now, before I dove into that, I did not want to feel any of the negative emotions. I did little quotations around negative because there's not positive or negative, good or bad. It's just a spectrum. Um, Maybe the spectrum is pleasurable and painful. I wanted to feel nothing and that is why I drank, that is why I smoked weed, that is why I did all of the things that I did was to escape from those painful, heavier, darker emotions because I didn't want to feel them because they were uncomfortable. They were scary and I remember the very first time when I had made the full decision to leave my husband, to move back to Canada with my parents, when I had solidified that decision inside of me. I, that was the first time I let myself cry to the, like, depth of my pain, the depth of my grief of that decision. And I just remember feeling this, like, really intense, um, like, squeezing, pressure, um, contraction. I guess that's what it is this really intense contraction of my entire body and I connected with like the very center. This is what it felt like. I connected with the very center of my being and it like lit up in this like gold light post and all parts of me contracted until all that was left was this golden post of light. And I remember letting myself get in like that deeply into that contraction of pain and grief And then I literally sat up and I was doing this in front of my mirror and I sat up and I looked at myself and I said, that's it? That's it? Like, I'm not going to (laughs) die? Because the story I had been telling myself was that I'm going to die if I feel all this pain. I'm going to die if I feel all this grief. I'm going to die if I cry this hard. And when I realized it was just an intense contraction that felt uncomfortable, that felt painful but I realized I could still feel it and live, I was like, oh, that's it. (laughs) Okay, this is not as bad as I thought it was. Um, (laughs) So sometimes the discomfort is in our physical bodies as well. 
You know, I spent a lot of my time the last few years rolling out my body with my lacrosse ball. If you know me personally, you know I fucking love, I praise my lacrosse ball because it is the most powerful tool for my physical body in my experience. Yeah, in my experience. Um, It gets into all of the really tight, tense places of my body and allows for release. And this is not um, an overnight process. And I'll go into this kind of conversation later in this podcast, but this is not an overnight process. I have worked on the same muscles, releasing the same muscles for months and months and months. And For me, what I realized was I was also simultaneously working on releasing the stories, the pain, the triggers, the trauma that was stored in those specific muscles. So I was doing like layers at a time, you know, until I could go all the way to the root, pull it up, unearth it, feel it, witness it, see it, and then allow it to be released and cleared when it was ready. And sometimes it takes a long time. Um, So I also wanted to talk about triggers in this because these, for me, these two things go, oh, they go hand in hand. Um, A lot of the time, triggering conversations are uncomfortable. (laughs) A lot of the time, sitting with our triggers, our wounding, our stories is uncomfortable. Yeah. Being in a triggering conversation with somebody, a partner, a friend, a coworker, a parent, um, it can have a very visceral, we can have very visceral body responses that are uncomfortable. You know, think about the fight or flight response in our physical bodies. What does that feel like for you? Because for me, My entire body starts shaking, starts vibrating. My hands get really sweaty. I feel sometimes even like dizzy. My heart is racing. That's not necessarily a pleasurable experience for me. That's quite uncomfortable. I feel out of control. I feel like my body is just doing this thing and I have no control over it. So, yeah, this, where this conversation comes in is I was actually at the beach yesterday. I was at the beach yesterday with some friends and one of them asked, how do we navigate these triggering conversations with our partners and not project, not act on those triggers, not um, move from that trigger, not, not converse from that trigger? Like, how do we come back to our conscious self, our centered self, our higher self, our adult self, whatever you want to call it. How do we come back to that? Yeah, how do we respond from that place, that adult self, that conscious self, that higher self? How do we respond from that self instead of the wounded, triggered self? And this is something that has taken me a while to learn and to fully embody Um, Because it is hard. And like I said earlier, it's not an overnight process. It's like, um, yeah, it's like working out a muscle to build strength. It takes time. We don't just wake up one day because we've decided I'm going to do things differently. And then boom, like we're, we're all of a sudden perfectly healed and fine and conversing as if we've never had a trigger in our life. (laughs) That is not realistic for me anyways, and for what I've seen around me. But if that is your experience, then like, I I bow to you. That's amazing. Um, But I actually had, I had two different partners that I got to work on this, uh, this specific kind of thing (laughs) with the specific um, reaction or non-reaction, respond rather than react from my triggers. I had two different partners that I've worked on this with, my current partner now and my previous partner. Um, my previous partner, that was the relationship that I woke up in, that I realized that everything that I was doing was also playing a part in our triggers and activations. And, you know, I used to just point the pink, the finger and project onto him. If he triggered me, I would make it his fault. 
if he triggered me, it would be his, like, his responsibility to fix it. And, you know, there's a lot of people that I see still operating in this way. And that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Like, if this is the way that you currently are, know that it is okay. And you do not need to judge yourself or shame yourself or, um, you know, all of a sudden I'm this terrible person because I do this. Like, no, it's okay. This is just where you're at. And if you do operate in this way, then I'm really glad and grateful that you're listening to this podcast. And I hope that there's something here for you, that there's something that you can pull from this that you can take away from this and apply into your own relationship so that you can potentially show up in a different way from a more grounded place, um, more conscious place, more kind and compassionate. Um, but yeah, that last relationship, that was I, where I realized, oh fuck, <laughs> it's not just him. Because this whole time I've been pointing the finger and saying that it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, everything is your fault, I'm perfect, you suck. I never said it like that. <laughs> um, but I had the opportunity to start doing this work with him. Um, and that was all my doing. That was me taking radical responsibility for my own actions, for my own reactions, for my own triggers, for my own woundings, for my own stories. Um, I took radical responsibility because I realized, oh, fuck, it's not just me. And I don't like living in this way doesn't feel good to constantly be at war with my partner it doesn't feel good to constantly be pointing the finger it doesn't feel good to constantly be having the same fucking fights over and over and over again pointing out the same thing and nothing ever changes so I had in this relationship I had time um, with him in person and also time away um, because I had moved back to Canada this was after I decided to leave and we had still, we spent, we spent about a year, almost a year trying to figure out our relationship, trying to see if we could make it work. And that's, <clears throat> that's a whole conversation for another day of like how I waited for so long um, to fully release that relationship. And, um, you know, my part in that was, like I was trying to force him into a version of himself that he wasn't meant to be and was never supposed to be um, instead of realizing, oh, you're just not the person that I am looking for. Um, so anyways, a lot of our interactions at this time were over the phone, were FaceTime, texting. Um, yeah, we never really had phone calls. but And then he would come to visit me every now and then. And we would have the in-person conversations. So I remember a particular, a particular trigger <laughs> that um, this was like a fight that we always had. We had for so fucking long and nothing ever changed. No matter how many times I brought it up, no matter how many times we fought about it, nothing ever changed until I decided to change. Nothing ever changed until until I decided to change. Instead of always pointing the finger at him saying, you need to do this differently, I was like, well, what can I do differently instead? This is clearly not working for either of us. What can I do differently instead? And it's so funny. There's part of me that's like, oh, this this like is going to sound so stupid. And this like reflecting back on how triggered I used to get by this, how angry I used to get by this. There's a part of me that's like, I don't even want to share it because it's so stupid. It's so stupid and it's so small. But in the moment when I was navigating this, it felt fucking huge. It felt so big. Um, and so I'm going to share it anyways. And that was something as simple as him. Like if he was like out for the night, hanging out with his friends, doing whatever. I wanted him to text me and let me know that he got home safely. And I thought that this was such a small ask. Like, I was always like, my, my argument was like, why don't you care enough about me to spend 30 seconds when you walk through the door 
saying, hey, babe, I, I got home safely. I love you. That's it. That's all I need. Like I thought I'm not asking for much. I'm not asking you to, you know, come home and call me and tell me every single detail of your night and this and that. Like I just want a simple text to know that you're at home safe. And like I really thought like why can't you do this for me? This is so easy. Why can't you do this for me? And for him, he was always like, why is it such a big deal? Like, I'm, I'll message you in the morning. I'll call you in the morning. Um, why is it such a big deal? Like, when I get home, I'm tired. I just want to go to bed. Why Why is it such a big deal for you? And I was always just like, you don't love me. <laughs> if you loved me, you would do this for me. If you loved me, you would sacrifice those 30 seconds for me. It's so easy. Like, why can't you do this for me? And um, I would always wake up every time because this happened so many times where like he would not message me and I would be so pissed off. I would wake up in the morning, no text message, not knowing if he was safe. Sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night um, and I would just be pissed off. I would be pissed off. And the ways that I would navigate this was either being super passive aggressive and just like super short with him just using one word answers um in my mind I was like oh fuck him he can't even take 30 seconds to text me when he gets home so I'm not going to take any more energy than I need to to respond to him (laughs) I'm like this is so funny to reflect on this because I this is not who I am anymore (laughs) I, I am so far from the version of myself that acted in this way. Um, thankfully, grateful, I'm grateful to be where I'm at now and to not be in these fights and arguments all the time because, quite frankly, they're exhausting. <laughs> they're exhausting. Um, but I would, I would continue to be passive-aggressive and super short with him until he asked me what was wrong, and then I would blow up. Or I would just wake up, be pissed off, and instantly blow up on him. Um, so, you know, I thought, I thought what I was doing was, like, yeah, I thought it was like, oh, it's all his fault. He can't do this for me, and I wasn't seeing how, I wasn't seeing the truth of that situation. So the truth of that situation was I was seeking safety because if I knew that he was at home safe, it made me feel safe. Whereas, you know, my mind would run and think like, oh no, he didn't message me. What if he died? Like that's where, that's where my mind would go to. What if he died? What if he never got home? What if something happened to him? And then I would have to sit in all of this fear of, you know, that fear of him not being there, that fear of something bad happening to him. And I didn't want to sit in that fear. I didn't want to feel that fear. I wanted him to just tell me that he was home safe so I could avoid feeling the discomfort. So I could avoid feeling that fear because it didn't feel good in my body. It didn't feel good for me. Um, So for me, what was like a simple fix of like, oh, if I just get this like text message that takes... 30 seconds or less to send, then I will be fine. I will feel safe, you know? And that was me trying to control my outside surroundings. So most of our triggers um, are us seeking safety, trying to find safety in whatever way, whatever situation we're in, we're trying to find safety. And a lot of us try to seek that safety, try to create that safety around ourselves by controlling the the situation outside of ourselves. Instead of finding and seeking that safety within, we try to control our surroundings so that we feel safe. Because I know that X, Y, Z things are going to trigger me. So instead of acknowledging that and sitting in that discomfort of that trigger and realizing, oh, This is why I'm triggered by that. Or this is why I do this. I'm like, oh, if I can avoid that, then I feel safe and it's all good. So I'm going to avoid it, you know. Um, There is nothing wrong with seeking safety. There is absolutely nothing wrong. Um, That is like a primal 
basic human need is to feel safe, you know? Um, we, we need that safety. But unfortunately, we cannot control the things outside of ourselves. It's not fair, especially in relationships, friendships, partnerships, whatever. It is not fair to ask the other person to constantly change the way that they show up, the way that they live, the way that they want to live their lives so that we feel safe. It is not their responsibility to tiptoe around us and our triggers so that we can feel safe. It is our responsibility to take radical responsibility for our own triggers, our own stories, our own wounds. So for me, the real issue was I didn't want to feel the fear of him dying and not being there because that would be hard. That would be hard for me. I loved him. You know, I didn't want to be without him. And at some point, <laughs> I realized that um, that it was actually me. It was actually me that kept causing that fight, kept starting that fight, kept that fight going. Because I wasn't willing to sit in the discomfort. I wasn't willing to face the fears. And, um, you know, I thought it was easy for him, easier for him to just change his behavior than it was for me to actually face my shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a particular, um, there's a particular part or not part. There's a particular event in my mind that I remember so clearly as a changing point in the way that I started to navigate these situations. And that was, I was at work. I used to work at a crystal store in the fall and the winter. It was very, very quiet. Some days, literally not a single soul stepped into that store. I would be alone for my entire shift. I worked alone. Um, I would be alone in that store all day. So I had a lot of time. Because there's only so much unpacking to do. There's only so much rearranging I can do. There's only so much like redoing the window displays I can do. I had a lot of free time. Well, not necessarily like fully free time, but I had a lot of time where I was just sitting um, and I liked to read. I liked to um, write up new affirmations. I like to meditate. I like to walk around the store and say my new affirmations. I like to dance and move like, oh, Sometimes I would roll out my body. Um, it was great. I, I loved being in that place. I loved working there. Um, especially on the days when nobody came in and I had energy to, to be with myself. So I remember this specific day where the exact same fight happened again. He didn't message me when he got home from hanging out with his friends. And I was so pissed off. I was so pissed off and I started going into it of like you know why why does the same thing start happening and my body was so triggered I was in that fight or flight response I was like my whole body was vibrating my heart was racing my hands were sweaty I was like like I felt like I couldn't control myself and all I wanted to do in that moment was hurt him because I was hurting, because I wasn't feeling safe. I wanted to make him not feel safe. And that was also a pattern that I had was like, you know, if if something happened and I didn't feel safe, I would like do the whole, uh, you know, I don't even know if I want to be in this relationship and start like threatening to leave and things like that. Um, but I remember this one specific day where I was like, I was battling myself in my mind. Do I listen to my body? Because my body is telling me to hurt him because my body is in fight or flight and it's trying to fight, right? Do I listen to my body? Do I listen to my mind that also wants to hurt him? Or do I listen to the teeny tiny little voice in the back of my mind, my higher self that's saying, Eden, you have a different, you, you have a different choice. You know, you can process this on your own before coming back into this conversation. Now, I remember just holding my phone. I'm really grateful 
that so much of this happened through like phone communication because it gave me also kind of forced me (laughs) to give myself the space to respond rather than react whereas in person it it can be a lot more challenging um, to not instantly react because we're we're in that physical energy we're in that physical space with this person so I'm really grateful that I had a lot of this done over the phone um, because I believe it really helped me Um, but I remember just holding my phone and I would type mean things And then I would be like, Eden, is that really what you want to say? And then I'd be like, oh, no, I just want to feel safe. And like, I would delete it. And then I would type something else mean. And then I would delete it. And I would just be like, oh, oh, like writhing in pain and discomfort and anger. Frustration. (laughs) And just like vibrating. (laughs) And I remember just like pacing around the store with my phone in my hands and just shaking. And then I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to be with what's here. So I put my phone down and I kept pacing around the store. And like, at that point I was crying and I was just praying that nobody would come (laughs) into the store. Thankfully, nobody did. Um, But I was just like pacing around. And then I started talking out loud to myself and I said like, why am I like this? Why? Why do I want to hurt him? Because I feel hurt. And if he's hurting, then I feel better about my hurt, which is that whole like hurt people, hurt people kind of quote. Um, And I was like, okay, so like, why am I actually so angry at this? You know, why am I so mad at him that he can't send one single easy text? You know, and I just kept walking around and I kept asking myself questions until I understood, oh, what's actually here is not the fact that he didn't text me. It's not the fact that I feel like he doesn't love me enough to put in this little amount of effort. What's actually here is my fear of losing him. My fear of something bad happening to him and me not knowing. You know, and eventually, if something did happen to him, I would find out. You know, I was his wife. I would find out. I was his emergency contact. I would find out if something had happened to him. I would find out if three days later I still hadn't heard from him and then I would be like, what the fuck is going on? And start reaching out to other people, you know? I I would find out. But the hardest part would be sitting in the fear, sitting in the discomfort while waiting to find out. So once I realized that, oh, I was I was just like, oh, oh, you know, and like I've had family members die and, and a lot of my family um, has this same, you know, has the same fear, you know, of, of losing each other because we've experienced that trauma of losing a deeply loved close family member and we don't want that to happen. You know, we know the pain, we know the, the grief that is involved in that, and we don't want to sit in the discomfort of grieving, right? So not only was this a pattern that I had, but it's also something that was most likely learned from my environment, learned from the situations that I had been in in my life with my family, So once I understood that, I was like, oh, it's not his fault that I feel this way. It's not his fault that I am scared that something bad could happen to him. And at the, and beneath that, what's there? Love. Beneath that fear, there's just love. I love you so much that I don't want anything bad to happen to you. I love you so much that I can't bear the thought of something bad happening to you, of losing you. It's just love. So I was creating all of these issues, all of these fights, all of these triggering conversations because I loved him. And this is one thing about love that is so scary 
is that we're not, I mean, even just life, <laughs> we're not in control. We don't get to control the people around us. And that's why loving is so scary because we don't know when we're going to lose someone. And does that mean we're going to avoid feeling love, loving people all together because it's scary to lose them? Or do we learn how to sit in the pain, sit in the grief, sit in the discomfort, feel it, let it be there as well as the love? So again, this is like strengthening a muscle. You know, there there comes a point, and I always say this with um, with clients, um, when we are stuck in a pattern, a cycle, an addiction, and we become aware of it, we become aware of the fact that, you know, oh, I'm stuck in this cycle. Then we can start to watch ourselves be in the cycle. And for me... And for some some of my clients, um, it's it's hard to watch ourselves repeat the same pattern, but this time being conscious of it. You know, it's a lot easier <laughs> to be in these cycles and patterns and not know and not acknowledge. Because once we acknowledge, once we see, once we witness, uh, we feel how much we don't want to be doing that, but we can't help ourselves you know when I was trying to quit drinking there were so many times where I reached for a bottle of wine where I went to the store I bought a bottle of wine and I came home all while telling myself I shouldn't be doing this I shouldn't be doing this I shouldn't be doing this but I'm doing it anyways I shouldn't be doing this but I'm doing it anyways same thing for when I was trying to stop smoking weed I would start smoking and be like, well, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, I know that I'm trying to escape things right now. I know. But I was doing it anyways. And then one day comes where I reach, saying in my mind I shouldn't be doing this. And I'm like, well, then I'm not going to. And I put it back and I don't do it. That's the same with navigating these triggers navigating these um yeah these triggers these reactions responding rather than reacting we'll we'll if if we're conscious and we're doing this work we'll watch ourselves repeating these patterns we'll watch ourselves freak out at our partners we'll watch ourselves project and then have guilt and shame afterwards of being like i i knew what i was doing and i still did it anyways and then one day You'll catch yourself maybe about to say something, or maybe right after you've said it, and then you say, wait, that's actually not how I want to communicate with this. Or, you know, um, if you're not there yet to catch yourself in the moment, maybe you say, hey, I can't communicate with you in the way that I want to, so I'm going to take some space. And this is like oof, so powerful. This is where I'm at in my current relationship where... If a trigger comes up, um, if a trigger comes up and I find myself not able to communicate from my adult self, my higher self, my conscious self, then I say to my partner, I'm going to go process this on my own so that I can show up in this conversation the way that I want to, because right now I'm not going to be able to communicate the way that I want to. And there's been times where... <laughs> I'm in my room sobbing and crying and convulsing on the ground, moving through this trigger, <laughs> this wound, this activation. And Florian is just outside in the living room watching YouTube videos waiting for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just love that visual of me like going into the depths of my darkness, of my shadow. And him just chilling outside waiting for me. <laughs> um, I am a much more 
like my emotions are much more at the surface of my being than Florian. So he doesn't really have the same experience as I do. Um, I'm usually the one that needs to take some space and uh, yeah, process and then come back. And, um, you know, there's, there's a, an example of this um, that I will share, which is also like so stupid. <laughs> um, but so there was a night where Florian had gone out to hang out with his friend and he said, I'll be home at this time and then we'll, I think it was, we'll watch a movie together or we'll spend some time together. But there was a commitment made of I'll be home at this time or an expectation made of I'll be home at this time and then we'll spend time together. So I was like, okay, great. Awesome. Have fun. I love you. See ya. And uh, I was just hanging out, you know, doing my thing with the knowledge like, okay, he'll be back at this time. So I'm going to do my own thing until he gets back. And then the time passed and he wasn't back yet. And I was like, okay, cool, I'll wait. And then, you know, an hour or so later, he messaged me and said, hey, my friend is having a hard time. I'm going to hold some space, so I'm not going to be home until really late. And in that moment, my conscious mind, my adult self, my, you know, conscious self was like, of course, Hold space for your friend. I'm over here chilling. I'm fine. Hold space for your friend. If they need you, be with them. However, my wounded self, this one really triggered that like abandonment wound of like, you said you were going to do this and you didn't. And now you're putting somebody else ahead of the commitment that you made with me, the promise that you made to me, the expectations that you made with me. And then I felt abandoned and... Um, I raged, (laughs) I raged not at him because I was so much, I was so much far further beyond (laughs) this sentence is feeling hard to say. I was so far past acting in that way, um, that my response to him was, okay, honey, I'll see you when you get home. I love you. In that moment, I didn't want to say that, but I said it anyways. And then I got in my car and I drove down the road and I screamed fucking screamed and I cried and I said all of the things that my wound wanted me to say which was like you abandoned me you left me alone you said you would do this and you didn't you don't care about me you don't this you don't that you don't that a lot of like you 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 right projecting in the past that's all the stuff I would have said to my partner right that's all of the stuff that I would have projected on the person who triggered me but the wound, the initial wound, the root of the wound, it's not their fault, right? So even when they activate the wound, it's not their fault that I have this wound. So it's not their responsibility to fix it. It's my wound. So it's my responsibility to fix it, right? If I spill something, if I break a glass, it's nobody else's fault other than mine. So I'm the one that's going to clean it up, right? Unless somebody offers to help me, right? Like in that moment, My partner was offering to help his friend. So anyways, I drove down the road. I screamed. I cried. I yelled. I got everything all out. And I came home. And I was still angry. And I knew, like, if he walks in this door right now, I am not going to be able to show up in the way that I want to show up. I am still too much in this wound to just forget about it, to just move on, to just be, like, back in our connection. I was still too much in the wound. And this is where I was really fighting myself. I had my wounded self and my conscious self battling each other. And I was thinking of all of the ways that I was going to punish him when he got home. Like, bless. (laughs) Bless Florian. He had no idea. (laughs) He had no idea that his actions triggered this much of a response within me. He had no idea that I was sat here thinking, oh, I'm going to punish him when he gets home. (laughs) Just you wait. Just you wait until you get home. (laughs) He had no idea, you know. Um, But I was battling myself. And it was was pretty late. 
um, it was like 10 30 or 11 and I was like I'm gonna go to bed like I'm not gonna sit and wait up I'm gonna go to bed I just I need to go to bed and I like froze for a minute going back and forth and back and forth like okay am I going to um, am I gonna turn the outside lights on so that he can come home with the lights still on um, you know am I gonna keep the door unlocked because what I wanted to do, what my wound wanted me to do, was turn all the lights off, lock the door, get into bed. At this point, we only had, um, like right now, we have our own rooms and we have two separate beds. Sometimes we sleep together, sometimes we don't. Um, but at that time, we only had one bed, so we always slept together. And uh, I, so I was like, my wounded self wanted me to lock the door, turn all the lights off, get into bed, close the bedroom door, and have my back facing the door. So when he came in, all he saw was my back. <laughs> and that would have felt good in the moment, right? Because for me, that would have been punishing him. That would have been like, that was like really closing off my energy to him, to our connection. And when I connected with my conscious self, I was like, well, what, what would I do if I wasn't mad? How would I welcome him back home into our space together? How would I do that if I wasn't mad, if I wasn't triggered, if I wasn't in the state that I'm in right now? And I said, I would, I would leave the door unlocked. I would leave the outside lights on. I would leave the bedroom door open and I would be sleeping with my body facing the door so that when he came in, my energy was open to him. And my wounded self was like, I don't want to do that. You know, like a kid kicking and screaming. That's not what I want to do. That's not what I want to do. But then I thought like, he's done nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. But navigate his own life, his own circumstances as they came up. And for him, it would have felt worse. It would have felt bad. To abandon his friend when his friend needed him to come back home to me who was expecting him. Right? That wouldn't have felt right for him. So he stayed. With the knowing that I'm a human, an adult human. I love him. I'm kind and compassionate. I also love his friend. She'll understand. Right? He did nothing wrong. He was supporting his friend. So I was like, okay. Even though every ounce of my being and my body is telling me not to do the things that I'm going to do, I'm going to do them. I'm going to leave the light on. I'm going to leave the door unlocked. I'm going to leave the door open and I'm going to keep my energy open to him. When he got home, I was kind of like drowsy, but I was still angry. I was still so angry. And uh, he came, he came in and I was just like kind of frozen in the bed. And he thought I was sleeping, so he was, like, doing his things, putting his stuff away, brushing his teeth, getting ready for bed, and finally he came into bed. And he could feel, you know, he could feel that my energy was off. He could feel that there was something. And he was like, are you okay? You know, is there something that you want to talk about? And I still was angry in that moment. I still was in that that wound, you know? Yeah, it wasn't as visceral and big and... Um, present and loud as it was initially when I was screaming and crying in my car um, but it was still there it was still lingering and I knew that I couldn't communicate in the way that I wanted to because I was still in that wound so I said no I'm not okay I'm really triggered right now um, but I can't talk about it so I'm going to go to sleep and we can talk about it tomorrow and he was like, okay. And I think I cried. And he just held me as I cried. And didn't say anything. I love him for this. He's so great. Um, he didn't say anything. He just let me cry. Let me be. And uh, we fell asleep. And I woke up the next day. <laughs> I woke up the next day. And I felt great. <laughs> I was not in that wound. I was not in that trigger. And I was so grateful. I was so grateful that I listened to my adult self, my conscious self. I was so grateful that I did not act from that wounded place because I would have felt so much guilt if I did. I would have been 
so like I would have been so regretful because that is not how I want to show up in relationship I want to be able to have the conversations you know I want to be able to have I want to be able to regulate myself and and re-enter that communicative space as my adult self because I am an adult (laughs) right so that was one um that was one story in this relationship where I had already done previous work um to know like obviously I am not gonna project this onto him because it's not his it's not his fault it's not his job it's not his responsibility it's mine So I processed it all on my own and had to communicate with him, even though it was hard. I can't talk about this right now. And in the morning, I told him everything. And I told him from such an untriggered place, from such a, like, calm, grounded, centered place. And it was so easy to have the conversation. And there's another example that I'll give before I start wrapping this podcast up. And this one is even smaller You know, the more I do this work, the smaller the triggers get. Yeah. Um, So this this time I was on TikTok. I was like laying in bed. Sorry if you hear me shifting. I'm laying down. I'm recording this on my bed right now. Um, I was laying in bed in our living room. We have like a floor bed. And I was just scrolling on TikTok. And Florian was getting dysregulated. Because TikTok is, TikTok is really loud. It's really noisy. It's really like fast paced and um, all the music and the talking and everything, you know, it is dysregulating. And for me, I have used this app as a way to numb because I don't drink anymore. I don't really smoke weed anymore. I mean, I'm pregnant right now. Um, obviously, I'm not doing <laughs> those things in the way that I was. Um, but he was getting dysregulated from the like overstimulation and it took him a little while to come to me because he was scared of offending me he was scared of triggering me he was scared of you know the way that I would respond the, the way that I would react if he said can you stop doing that it's dysregulating me so it took him a little while but he came to me and he said I'm scared to say this which has been like a game changer in not just our relationship, but in any communication, any conversation where I'm scared um, or where he's scared, like stating, I'm afraid to say this to you. Oh, amazing. Because as soon as he says, I'm scared to tell you this, immediately I soften and open because I'm like, why are you scared? What do you have to say? And then he said, you know, I am getting really dysregulated from you scrolling on TikTok. Can you stop or put your headphones in and you know he was scared because he knew it was going to trigger me and it did (laughs) it did trigger me I I immediately went into the oh no I'm doing something wrong I'm bad I'm wrong this is shameful I shouldn't be doing this oh my god I can't believe I've done this blah 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 went into my own spiral And a lot of the time, um, a lot of the time I'll go inward, I'll freeze, right? I won't be able to speak my, that's when my like inner child is really activated. That inner child that was getting, um, getting in trouble, getting yelled at, I would just shut down. So I started going into my shutdown and he could feel that. And I, and he said like, you know, he started getting into his response of like, are you okay? Blah, blah, blah. Like making sure I was okay when he was the one who came to me because he wasn't feeling okay with the situation. And I just said to him, I can't respond to you in the way that I want to right now. So I'm going to take some space. And he was like, okay. And you know, that might've been hard for him because of whatever reason, I don't know. Uh, it might have been hard for him to sit and wait because he obviously was already scared to um, communicate this with me but he did so anyways Um, and then he felt like oh fuck like this is exactly why I was scared to tell her now she's upset right Um, but I 
just was like, I can't, I can't talk about it right now. I need to process my own thing. So I went away. I felt my own like guilt and shame and I was doing this wrong and I'm a bad person, X, Y, Z. And once that was processed, once I sat with my inner child and I said, you know, you're not doing anything wrong. You didn't know that he was getting dysregulated until he told you. And now that you know, you can do something different. Um, so I held my inner child and then I came back. This was the first time I did this, I think. And I came back to the conversation and said to him, like, I didn't, in that moment, I got triggered too. And I didn't want to make this conversation about me because you brought an issue to me, right? So in that space, you were trusting me to hold you to respond to you and I didn't want to flip the script and say oh no this is about me now you did this and now I'm triggered so now it's about me I didn't want to do that I wanted to hold space for him I wanted him to feel heard and understood so I came back and I said this and I said yeah please tell me in the future as soon as you start feeling dysregulated please tell me to put my headphones on yeah for a moment, I might feel upset. I might feel all of these things. But ultimately, I want you to also feel safe. This is your home too, right? Um, so it's really, really interesting all of the ways that we can navigate these situations. And it all comes back down to, am I able to sit in discomfort? Am I able to hold myself? Am I able to sit? with my wounds, without projecting, even though I want to? Am I able to sit with my own wounds without projecting onto my partner, without hurting my partner, without making it about me when they come to me with something that triggered them? Am I able to take radical responsibility for my own shit, for my own triggers, for my own wounds, for my own stories? Am I able to do that? Am I able to step away from a triggering conversation so that I can hold myself so that I can regulate my own nervous system and then come back to the conversation. And you know, this is not easy work. It's simple, right? Talking, get triggered, step away, hold myself, come back, regulated, have the conversation. It is not easy by any means. It is simple but it's not easy. It is really freaking hard, especially when we've been communicating, when we've been projecting, when we've been making our triggers, our partners, friends, parents, whoever's fault, when we've been making it their fault instead of owning our shit, instead of owning our triggers, this can be really hard. We, maybe we have years, you know, maybe we have decades of operating in this way and now all of a sudden we're trying to change it and it feels hard right and it feels feels easier to just project it feels easier to just make it about me it feels easier to just say you did this to me by you bringing up this conversation now I'm triggered and it's your fault you know that's easier in the short term but in the long term it's making our relationships harder Right. So the key points of this podcast are where in your life are you seeking safety and that seeking of safety is showing up as control. Right. Can you reframe that control if, if you're somebody who has been in controlling relationships where you've been the controller or even just in life? You know, this goes for more than just being triggered by conversations with partners, being triggered by other people. This could be even just being overstimulated, right? Being in the kitchen and your kids are there crying, asking for snacks and food and you're trying to do a million things at once and all of a sudden you want to make it your kid's fault that you're overstimulated instead of taking a step away, which can be really fucking hard, <laughs> sometimes impossible or just taking a moment to close your eyes and take a deep breath and remember okay my kids are hungry they're just asking for a snack they're just asking for food they love me they trust me that's why they're asking me to get it for them 
and in this moment I am overstimulated, but it's not their fault. They are not wrong or bad for asking for food. They're trying to get their needs met. Okay. You know, um, can we, can we sit? This is why like meditation is so powerful. I find meditation for me is really powerful in sitting with the discomfort of my mind and the discomfort of my physical body. Um, when I'm sitting in meditation and my body is uncomfortable, I'll, all I can do is like fidget and adjust and move and shift. And all I can think about is the parts of my body that hurt. And a lot of the time in the past, I would be like, yeah, this is not working. You know, like talking about the womb, um, breathing into the womb at the beginning. This is not working. I'm not doing this anymore. It's not working. When really the practice is, can you be present with what is here right now? Meditation is not sitting and not thinking a thing, a single thought and just being this like peaceful one with the universe being. It is sitting and being present with what is. And maybe, you know, there's many different types of meditations. Um, uh, But maybe, you know, maybe your mind is going crazy and like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. Oh, oh my God. Now I'm thinking so much when I'm meditating. I'm supposed to not be thinking like, oh, I'm doing it all wrong. Fuck. I I I should just give up. Or you just listen to your mind. You just become the witness. Right? When we become the witness... Then we can separate our activated self from our conscious self, our higher self. We can be the witness and the one experiencing what's happening. We can watch it and feel it at the same time. And creating that, creating that practice, creating that awareness, that is what ultimately is going to help you Feel your trigger in the moment and still hear your higher self guiding you, your adult self guiding you. So. What ways can you create safety for yourself? Maybe that's stepping away from a situation, a conversation, something that's triggering Taking the time to hold yourself, to be with yourself, to honor yourself, to witness, to feel, to be with it all before returning back to that space, back to that situation, back to that conversation, back to that partnership, right? Can you learn to sit in discomfort, to be with discomfort, jumping into some cold water? And learning to breathe in the water. Like that is such a powerful, powerful way for us to start to create um, or start to learn how to navigate discomfort. Some really fucking cold water. (laughs) Right? Can you learn to sit in discomfort so that you are no longer reaching outside of yourself? You are no longer trying to control what's outside of yourself so that you can have a calm, peaceful inner state. But can you return in the midst of chaos, in the midst of pain, in the midst of discomfort? Can you return to yourself? Can you return to your breath? Can you feel it all so that you find that safety, that calmness, that groundedness, that coming back to your center inside of yourself instead of outside of yourself? You know, I find that when we learn how to do this, oh. It completely changes the way that we are able to show up in relationship with ourself, right? When we can become the witness as well as the one experiencing, then we're not just experiencing, right? We can see, oh, hey, I'm judging myself right now. Oh, hey, I'm shaming myself right now. Oh, fuck, this doesn't feel good and I hate it. I'm still feeling it anyways, right? We can show up so much differently so much more with so much more love and kindness and compassion um, with ourselves in our relationships in our romantic relationships especially because they are more often than not our biggest mirrors and our biggest triggers (laughs) 
you know, showing up in friendships, showing up in the world. We can show up so much more grounded and centered and intentional. We can choose how we respond instead of navigating the world from our reactions. Yeah, in an activated way, in an unconscious way. We get to consciously decide how we show up. So again, this is not easy work by any means. This is not easy. <laughs> it is really, really hard to make the choice to go against everything our body is saying when we're in that triggered state and to do something different. Yeah, it is not easy to sit in discomfort. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> if it was easy, we'd all be doing it and we'd live in a perfect harmonious world. <laughs> but it's not, right? It's not. But it's worth it. Doing this work is worth it. My relationship before and my relationship now, the ways that I show up are so different and it's so much easier. A affirmation that my partner and I now use um, is it's so easy to love you. Because of how much work we have done before getting into the relationship with each other and in the relationship, it is easy now. Because we've been embodying these new ways of being for a while now, together and apart. So it is easy. Whereas before, I never would have said that to my past partner because it always felt hard. We were always fighting. There was always something wrong. There was always something that I wanted him to do different. And I'm sure there was always something that he wanted me to do different. Hmm. But it is worth it. This work is worth it. And I promise that. <laughs> Even though it feels like it's not in the moment, one, two, three years down the line, if you're, if you're doing this work and if you've done this work, it is worth it. Just like anything, you know? Learning process. It's hard at the beginning. The more we do it, the stronger we get. You know, the better our skills get. I don't know, I'm getting a visual of like, painting <laughs> learning how to paint like it takes time learning how to do anything takes time and practice and consistency but it's worth it <sighs> so thank you to those of you who made it this far thank you for being here thank you for listening for hearing for receiving and i really deeply truly hope that there is something in this podcast that you can take away and begin to apply to your own life to your own ways of being maybe it's something small maybe it's the whole thing you know there's no right or wrong there's no good or bad but thank you for being here thank you for hearing me for receiving me supporting me i appreciate you deeply thank you thank you thank you and i will speak to you in the next podcast.